Welcome to the Road to Fueling Better podcast, hosted by registered dietitian Laura Kilkline and dietitian in training Gina Santinello. We created this podcast to debunk diet culture myths, share evidence-based nutrition strategies, and empower you to live your fullest life without restriction. We want to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fit your goals, whether it's optimizing your performance and recovery in the gym or simply learning how to live a healthier lifestyle. We believe that the key to health and fitness success is to build a solid foundation of sustainable habits that support your goals. This not only includes behavior change, but more importantly, mindset change. Together, we've helped hundreds of clients end the yo-yo dieting cycle, improve their relationship with food, hit endless PRs in the gym, and acquire the skills to optimally fuel their bodies, all while enjoying their favorite foods. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. If you're interested in learning more, be sure to follow us on Instagram at balanced.fueling and G underscore the sports RD two the number two B. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Road to Fueling Better podcast. It's been a minute. Me and Laura have not recorded a podcast in quite some time. We've been very busy. We're still here. Um, we're still here. I've been studying. Laura's been on vacation. Lots going on. <laughs> but um, we are back and we have a very fun episode today. We have our third guest on our podcast, um, but our first guest as an RD. So we're really excited to introduce Colby. She's a registered dietitian and Laura, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So Colby, welcome to, uh, the road to feeling better podcast. How does it feel to be on? Um, is this your first podcast appearance? Ooh, yes, it is actually. I'm very excited. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Very excited to talk about what you do um, and talk about former athlete life. But first, I uh, want to give you a formal introduction just to give the listeners an idea of who you are, your background. Um, and you have a really cool, um, unique sort of background in training. So um, Colby is a registered dietitian, but she's also a trained chef. Uh, certified personal trainer and business owner. Um, just like uh, Gina and I, she has her own private practice. Um, so, uh, and then originally she is from Somerset, Massachusetts and went to Johnson and Wales um, for her bachelor's degree. Um, and is that in nutrition or is it culinary nutrition? Yep. So it's in culinary nutrition. So the first two years of our bachelor's was completely culinary arts. And then we went through like a, an application process to get into the nutrition program for those last two years. Cool. That's awesome. Um, great, great combination. Um, so, uh, again, bachelor's degree from Johnson and Wales, you went on to complete your dietetic internship at Yale new Haven hospital in Connecticut. And now Colby is uh, living and running her own online business from the Albany, New York area, which um, you're, uh, you were in Rhode Island before. Is that correct? Or yeah. Yes. Yep. We were in Rhode Island. My fiance got relocated for a job. So we're up here for the time being, and then we're moving back down there. (laughs) Nice. Um, And so Colby is also um, a former athlete herself playing competitive soccer for 14 years up through um, her time at JWU as a Division III uh, college athlete. And um, that's really, really cool. Uh, what were you forward uh, defense? Is it mid? Is that, is that <laughs> mid, midfield? Nope. I was a striker. Always. Absolutely. Striker. Always a striker. Is that like the forward? Yes. Yep. Okay. So the goal scorer. Yes. <laughs> nice. I actually hold, still hold my middle school record for most goals in a season. Wow. Look <laughs> at that. That's, that's impressive. Um, I hope you carry that through. Um, so we thought it would be fun um, before we kind of talk more about um, Colby and her private practice and former athlete uh, life and struggles we wanted to just do a little rapid fire for you, Colby, um, just so 
uh, we can get to know you better and anyone listening can as well. And I actually, we pulled these rapid fire questions from our very first episode of this podcast where Gina and I uh, answered these questions. So if anyone is interested in um, knowing Gina and my answers, you can go back and check out that uh, first episode. Um, rapid fire question sesh. Yes. It, it never gets old. Yeah. Um, I was like a weirdo as a kid and I used to like filling out forms. Um, and it was just like, even if they weren't fun, I'm just like, I love this, but like these rapid fire questions, just, they never get old. Um, all right. Um, so Colby, what is your favorite vegetable? Oh God. Um, and I can't say all of them. (laughs) No, although they all are delicious. Oh, favorite vegetable, zucchini, when it's in season. It's a good one. How would you cook it? On the grill. Ah, nice. Grilled zucchini. That's, it's got to be grilled for me as well. I hear you. What about the noodles? What about like the zucchini noodles? Are we into that or no? Not like the biggest fan. Because I feel like usually they have you steam them and then they just like lose all their flavor. Yeah. I agree. And they get very watery. Bushy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about your favorite fruit? Favorite fruit? I love, I've been in a dark cherry kick recently for whatever reason. You and Gina both. Yeah. Like fresh or frozen. I've been making smoothies like a crazy person. (laughs) Are you into the like tart cherry juice or just the cherries? Sometimes if I feel like I really need it, like after lifting. Yeah. Yeah. Not like my favorite thing though. <laughs> I feel like it's like very tart, but I've definitely grown a taste to it. And now I like love it. Mm. Yeah. I bet you can so, make really cool drinks with it too. Yeah. And I got you into it too, Laura. You, have you still been doing that? I love it. Um, I need to go to Trader Joe's because I like theirs the best. Um, it's funny though. I had a workout this morning and I had PT after and I had a little bit of time and I was like, there's this um, convenience store that had tart cherry juice. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to go grab one. And I couldn't find it. And I'm, I'm like, where's the cherry juice to the owner? He's like, Oh, um, none of them. Like they didn't sell that well and they expired. So like we had to trash them. Like, and I'm like, I think I must've been the only one buying them. then. <laughs> so I guess it's a, a small movement. I don't know. The rest of the people need to catch on mm-hmm. or not because then we want, there's more for us if they don't catch That's up. That's true. That's true. He should have warned um, you ahead of time so you could get the ones that were going to expire soon. No. He offered me one and he's like, it's a few days past. I'm like, what's a few days? And he was like, January. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm going to pass on that. Like if it was actually a few days, fine. But yeah, not going to risk that one. No, thanks. No. <laughs> um, what about, what's your favorite go-to dining out meal? Ooh. Dining out meal. I feel like recently it's been more like seafoody stuff, like sushi and salmon, because I just recently started eating those things, which is also kind of like a fun fact. I had, I had really bad food anxiety for a while, so I wouldn't try new things. Like it just made me really, really anxious, like panic attacky almost. And I finally talked myself through it and had sushi for the first time a couple weeks ago. And now I'm just like completely head over heels with it. Can't stop having it. So good. So, so good. It is. Next time you're in uh, Rhode Island, you have to go to Haruki in Providence. Really good sushi. Mm, I've heard that in Jackie's Galaxy too. Okay. Yep. It's a whole new world. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Um, All right. Uh, Are you team chocolate or gummy fruity if you're gonna go for like something sweet oh oh man oh man um I'm gonna say most of the time chocolate but there's like an inkling here and there like I feel like it's seasonal like Easter time comes around and I love all the like jelly beans and sour and sweet candies and but then I also love Reese's eggs too so it's I like know. Very, very mood dependent. Okay. Luckily we don't have to pick one or the other in real life. <laughs> have them all. <laughs> yep. What about 
Uh, we're on the topic of sweets. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh, favorite ice cream flavor. I'm going to have to go with like a classic black raspberry. Oh, that was mine. Really? So good. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like boring for liking that, but it's so good. <laughs> Especially if it's a good, like homemade place that like, it's really good quality. It really makes a difference. It really does. Yeah. I can't really the season starting up. I'm team chocolate all the way. I can't do fruity ice cream. Nope. Like raspberry. You can have it all. <laughs> it doesn't really taste like raspberries though. I know. I'm like, that's the only fruity like ice cream. I, like I wouldn't go for like a strawberry. I don't know. It's just so unique. And like ones, some of them have like chocolate bits in it. So mm-hmm. you like get like a little pop of chocolate. Okay. Um, that's the standard for me. <laughs> yep. Or you put fudge on it and then it has all the chocolate on it. That works too. <laughs> yes. Um, we talked about all our, our favorites. Fruits, yes. Fruits, gummies, ice cream. What about, what's your least favorite food? What's a food you will not be caught dead eating? Ooh, will not eat. Well, if you had asked me like a month ago, I probably would have said like raw seafood. <laughs> but you're a champ right now. Oh, but now mushrooms, maybe okay. not, a huge, not a huge mushroom fan, unless they're like snuck in somewhere, but I don't like eating like bites of mushroom. Right. That's a common one. I feel like I was just going to say, I feel like that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. What about your favorite cuisine? So like you're going out to dinner you going for Mexican, Italian, Chinese. What's that looking like? So growing up like 15, 20 minutes outside of Providence, it's all Italian, like Federal Hill and growing up in like my mom's side of the family is Sicilian. So growing up around that like classic homemade Italian, like that's, that's my go-to comfort, like going out good cuisine. Nice. Did that, did your, that background, I guess, around food and like, I mean, Italians take food very seriously. Um, Did that inspire you to kind of go the culinary route, you think? Um, I would definitely say it had an impact for sure. Like our, a lot of our family time was based around like either cooking in the kitchen or just being in the kitchen. Like I remember very vividly memories being smaller like sitting up on the counter while my mom made dinner. And that was the time that we would like sit and talk about how our days were and how school was. And like, I'd be like, Oh mom, what's that? Like, why are you doing that? And get like really just curious about what she was doing. But honestly, (laughs) the, the come to, I call them like come to Jesus moments. Like my come to Jesus moment with going to Johnson and Wales was actually from watching a chopped episode on food network. Love chopped. Yep. It was like junior year of high school. And I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. And my counselor was like, no, you need to start like applying now. (laughs) And I was watching Chopped and I was like, I want to do something like that. Like right now. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what started it. (laughs) Do you watch Tournament of Champions? I watch all of the shows. Oh, I've been, I've been very much into Tournament of Champions. I, (laughs) I was like binging it during ankle recovery it was awesome yep yeah anything iron chef related is my favorite yes um that's great um all right how about so let's end with this is kind of something um it's like uh, a hard a hard question to answer sometimes but what is something that you're good at Ooh, something I'm good at I feel like I've always been dubbed like the very athletic person. <laughs> okay. So I feel like most of the time, if you challenge me to do something that's athletic, I can most of the time do it or practice for like five minutes and then do it. That's a pretty I good like, quality to have. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I love it. A, a strong badass, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, badass quality. Yes. Um, all right. So, um, 
those rapid fire questions are always super fun. Um, and now we want to get into learning a little bit more about, um, your private practice and your business. And, um, I don't think I mentioned in the beginning, but how we, um, Colby and I actually got connected was, um, I don't know if you sent me an, was it an Instagram message or I don't know where you found me, but, um, I got a message from you or a call from you and you were a clinical dietitian at that point. And you're like, Hey, what's this private practice thing all about? And we set up a call and talked about it. And now here you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you were working at one of the like sister hospitals and one of my coworkers had mentioned your name and I was like, wait, that kind of sounds familiar. And we were friends on Instagram. Okay. Like, oh, it is the same person. <laughs> Only in Rhode Island. Yeah. Small world. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, if I helped with 1% of motivating you to start your private practice, that makes my day right there. So, um, it's exciting stuff. Um, but look at you now, here you are and you're full time in your business. So I was, when we first moved up here in September and then I was getting really like stir crazy by not having like outside human interaction (laughs) and especially obviously with COVID that didn't help either. So I decided to just get a part-time personal training job, like something very mindless for me, something very easy for me to do that has obviously a lot of human interaction. So something that's more just like for funsies. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I do that a couple days a week, but the rest of rest of my time is hundred percent business focused. Cool. And that's probably a great way to get more nutrition clients and personal training clients and vice versa. So that's, that's a great combo. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about your private practice in terms of like what you like to focus on, what your mission approach is, um, speaking more in business terms, like who your ideal client is and just kind of tell us all about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I feel like when I first started, so the business is called Triad Performance and Nutrition. And I feel like when I first started, I wasn't really a hundred percent sure what direction or in again, business terms like niche I was going for. So I kind of started with, you know, family and friends and referrals of people that I could use almost as like my first batch of test clients just to get things like under the rug and get a little bit more comfortable doing things. But when I really got a little bit nitty gritty with who my target audience was, I had a a sit down one day and just like brain dumped on a piece of paper, like where I thought the most of my impact could, or where I could make the most impact from. And I kept coming back to like that, that like twinge inside of me that was like, I just want to be the person for someone that I needed going through the same thing. And that was that transition from collegiate athlete life into real life adulthood. And that, that transitional period and figuring out like all of those different struggles and solving them essentially something that I did on my own, but being able to be that person for another former female athlete or female athlete getting ready to make that struggle or get, make that transition. So they would have to struggle less with some, someone by their side for accountability and resourcing. So I got way more focused with that and just like ran full steam ahead with that niche. So the, the triad of the business is based around my, my background and expertise. So the three pieces of the triangle are kind of like the pillars of the business. So cook with my trained chef background, eat, which is the nutrition, dietetics, dietitian background, and training, which is the personal training background and exercise science. So I wanted something that kind of encompassed all of the three things and had that falling asleep one night. And I remember like reaching over and grabbing my phone and typing it to myself and then falling asleep because I didn't want to forget it. Only business owner things, right? Like, yeah. Like whether it's late at night in the shower, like in the car, you know, making those important notes and like, 
I love that, you know, triad and like your three uh, focus areas. I, I think that's amazing. Thank you. And I actually just learned recently going to your shower thoughts that they make a, a waterproof pad and pencil that you can like magnet to your shower for those shower thoughts. So you don't forget. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing ever. What yeah, an invention. I know. <laughs> I know. I need that. I don't remember what it was called, but I'm sure you could find it on all of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so tell us, I guess, um, so your pro your coaching program focuses on sort of that, that population. Um, we kind of wanted to talk about some of those common struggles of former athletes. So maybe give us just like, um, kind of the top struggles that you find that this population struggles with. And then we can kind of talk more about each of those. Yep. So the, the coaching method is called fuel for life. And that's because it's like what I want to teach and educate my clients on because we're not necessarily fueling for a certain purpose anymore because our purpose is just living. Like we're, we're changing our shift of focus on what our purpose for eating and working out and loving our bodies and all of that is shifting. So we kind of have to start with almost unraveling the knot that's been created of like diet mindset, diet culture, um, really hard on our, our bodies with poor negative body image that like really poor relationship with food and nutrition, um, and getting away from that. So we kind of have to work to unravel that knot first before we build a better knot, just something I use a lot with my teaching. <laughs> yeah. So if we make a more complex knot with all of these skills and education that we teach them, then it's harder to undo the knot later on. Like it's not a crash diet that you can just undo in a week. Yeah. I love that. And sort of, you know, you, you mentioned just focusing on like sus- being sustainable, um, which, you know, is what all of us are kind of all about that, like not that quick fix diet culture approach, but focusing on like sustainable behavior change and, and healthy habits. And um, I think, you know, kind of speaking to just one of the struggles is like, when you're an athlete, it's, it's so sort of focused on that one thing, um, like your one sport. And then you go into sort of the real world and nutrition, you kind of realize that there's so much more to it. And, um, you know, like now you have a job and you're, you know, stressed about other things and there's sort of all of this like juggling that happens and um it can definitely be a struggle I think even for post-college adults in general but I think even more so for athletes um as well and I yeah. think like athletes they already have such different nutritional needs than the average person so you're kind of going from like not like one extreme to another but in a way kind of one extreme to another yeah kind of going from this population that has these needs. I mean, your performance is high, your activity is very, very high to, you know, not doing your sport anymore, not needing that specific nutrition. Um, So I think that that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I feel like I see that a lot where that's almost where like the start of the snowball starts because they, they don't understand that shift. So they're still eating the same way. So they end up gaining the the post-college like 15 to 20 pounds. And then they're like, oh no, what do I do now? So then they start turning into diet culture and diet mindset because they're looking for that quick fix to get back to how I looked when I was a senior and have my my collegiate body and all of those things because they don't understand that there's a difference. Yeah, very true. And I think knowing that, you know, definitely not all the time, but with certain athletes and, and certain sports, the athlete physique is not always the healthiest or most sustainable, you know, thing. Like I know a lot of athletes, for example, if there's like female athletes in particular menstruating individuals, like, you know, they don't have, they lose their period, um, because they're not fueling correctly. 
Um, and so definitely like, you know, going from one extreme to another in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the calls this week with one of my clients, she's a former collegiate endurance runner and she just got her period back after five years. Wow. Absolutely nothing. Wow. And so you know, I think it's like, I know, Gina, we've talked about on like a bunch of episodes, how we kind of prioritize performance and function over physique, um, because like performance and function is really more related to health and quality of life. Um, And so knowing that like, oh, well, if your body changed, but now like, you have a good relationship with food, and you're getting your period again, like, that's, that's a good thing, you know? And, and I think that's the role, the very important role that we as, as dietitians, you know, can um, provide that support and education. Um, So one of the big struggles of former athletes that, um, you know, you have here is generally like the lack of support um, during like uh, post-athlete life, Um, And some of that kind of starts during athletics where there's either lack of support around nutrition and fueling or a lot of misinformation. um, And then you're going through this transition. Um, So is that, I guess, um, kind of one of the biggest struggles that you find with, with former athletes? Yeah, I think, like you said, it almost like plants the seed with the the struggles with having it post-sport, like once graduation is over, because we, we kind of go through school and it, it's school dependent, but some schools don't really have a great food or nutrition program themselves. Like sometimes the cafeterias don't have good options or sometimes your food resources are, you know, a shuttle bus away and you don't even have anything but your mini fridge in your room. And that obviously cuts your options by a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, So if we, like, I remember freshman year, I was in a room that was like the size of a closet with three other women. And we had a microwave and a mini fridge for all four of us. And I was playing soccer, obviously. And I would like have to seriously sit down and brainstorm like how I was going to eat food that was like good and sustainable. So I had a lot of peanut butter and fluff sandwiches before games. (laughs) Nice. Cause I was like, I know I need something that's like hefty, but something that has carbs too. And in pre-nutrition education, I was like, Oh, this has sugar. This is fine. Yep. There you go. Not necessarily understanding that, that lack of support, depending on where you were with school and not having really a lot of resources out there as far as like team dietitians or even like team, um, athletic trainers and things that some smaller schools, like I went to a pretty small school and we had one athletic trainer for all of the women's sports and that she was like super spread thin. And, you know, if you picture that in nutrition world, like that's, there's no way that they would be able to help everyone effectively. Whereas some of the bigger the bigger schools that are more like division one schools that have the the funding and the support themselves, they have, you know, team dietitians kind of throughout all of the different programs they have, and they have more resources and more support and they have people feeding them the education and the resources that they need. So I feel like those athletes are almost set up more for success long-term. They may still struggle of course, but I think they're set up with more tools than, maybe some of the the lesser divisions, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask you what kind of, um, like nutrition education did you get as an athlete at your school? So we had very minimal, like it was really just either through us girls talking to one another and doing our own sort of research. And then the rest of it was just like, coaches, assistant coaches, maybe some from the athletic trainer, but that was kind of it. But we were also a little bit more fortunate because we were taking nutrition like 101 and like our pre-nutrition prereqs. So we were starting to like get fed some of the education that way and understanding like, oh, 
this is not right. <laughs> and looking back, you know, as an RD now, um, do you find that the information that you were getting from the coaches and the trainers, was that, you know, good information? Was it enough information? Um, what would you say about that? Like knowing what you know now? I would say the, I think the intent behind it was like good. Like no one was really malicious about it, but I definitely wouldn't say it was accurate or helpful in any, <laughs> in any way, shape or form, knowing what I know now, of course, but it's, I mean, it's tough because I'm sure that's not really the first thing on their minds either. I, and I think that that's really yeah. in, 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 uh, sporting teams is to not have somebody with the right credentials giving information that athletes really need. Um, and I've always said, I think that no matter what the division is, I think every team should have an RD for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. Because it shouldn't be the coach or the trainer's, um, responsibility to educate on that because they're not trained to do that. And then, you know, they can only, they're meant to coach or train, you know, and, and do, um, their own job. And I think, like you said, the, the intent, um, is usually coming from a good place, but there's sometimes, um, misinformation in there, like, oh, you should, you know, I've heard from either current athletes, um, or former athletes, like, oh, well, my coach said to like train fasted because then I'll be burning fat. And if I'm, you know, if I have less body fat, then I'll be faster. Um, and so like these little, like, you know, nuggets of, of misinformation that the coach might say, just thinking that, Oh, this is going to be helpful. And that stuff really can stick in the minds of really anyone. But when an athlete is kind of focused on just, being the best and, and, you know, doing what they have to do, like they take that to heart and it can really start to like, like you said, kind of plant the seed for, um, a lot of issues around nutrition and fueling and relationship with food. Yeah, absolutely. And especially just that keyword of just like education and misinformation, because even if, you know, we took it upon ourselves to go out into the world of, you know, the internet to try to find our own information, we didn't know what was right and wrong. Like we didn't understand how to read research or see if something was actually valuable or reliable information. So if you Google like how to improve my sports performance, like half of those articles are going to be feeding you horrible information that takes years of undoing <laughs> to fix. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's for, you know, whether, a dietitian in any sort of focus area that that misinformation is like the bane of our existence. <laughs> um, so for anyone listening, please seek out a dietitian. If you need support with your nutrition, don't try and figure it out on your own. Uh, um, all right. So, um, kind of talking more about the support that you get as an athlete, even though, there's, it's certainly not perfect or might depend on, um, you know, the school or level you're at. Um, but there's definitely a lot, you know, there is support and there's, I think with athletes, a lot of structure, right? Like you have practice and it's a schedule and you have, you know, a team and that community and structure. And I think probably one of the biggest struggles you see your clients run into is like, that support system, you know, sadly just kind of ends at like the drop of a hat and, and they're kind of left feeling super lost. I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because even, and not necessarily just at a collegiate level, but even from a young age, like our, our practices are scheduled for us. Our games are scheduled. What we wear is scheduled quote unquote, like it's assigned essentially. We don't really have choice over it. And understanding that like that structure and schedule is all well and good because it keeps us on track with the sport we're playing in the meantime. But once that sport is over and that structure is kind of like the rug ripped out from under our feet, essentially, it just, it sets us up for failure, unfortunately, because you end up going one of two ways. Either you try to structure it yourself and you become like really hyper vigilant about it and almost too structured and too regimented 
or you go the complete opposite way and just throw structure and schedule to the wind and like stop caring about things like that. So obviously both ends of the spectrum kind of don't mend well for sustainable, healthy lifestyles, (laughs) but it's like that needing that transition to be like, Hey, this is going to happen. This is how we help you get through it. So we can find that middle ground in between the two. Find that balance. What it's all about. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean, I, um, that I can relate to that personally. I mean, I didn't play college sports, but, um, played sports like as a kid, like every sport in the book, um, in high school, I played a sport every season and then went to college and like, there was no sport. Um, and so I would say it, I guess it kind of started in college, although I was in a dietetics program. So that became my sport in a way. And then I feel like I ran into that post internship, like, cause then the internship was my mission. Like that was my sport. And then it was just like, I I feel like I dealt with that, you know, early in my just career after becoming a dietitian, I was like, okay, well now what? Um, And I was the, I went the route of throwing off structure to the wind and (laughs) yeah, like really, really struggling. And, and I think that's what kind of inspired me to start my business and like, kind of like what you said, like you want to be that person that you needed during that time, you know, when you were struggling. Um, and so I feel like I can really relate to that. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to know, like, you know, for you as a college athlete, um, so you ended college in terms of like your, your training education wise, but also you ended your sport at the same time. That's gotta be rough too. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it definitely is, especially because my exit out of sport was like not the prettiest because it was based around uh, some concussion injuries and just some nagging injuries of now me looking back on it is because I wasn't treating my body properly. But at the meantime, just like nagging injuries that I just I, I didn't have fun playing anymore because everything just hurt so bad. And I was putting more yeah. risk on my brain, (laughs) which obviously isn't desired. So I had to kind of make a really hard decision, obviously, and stop before I graduated. But then it was, you know, then I almost did the same thing. I was just focusing on education and finishing my degree and then internship. So that was a sport in itself. And the, oh yeah, Gina knows all too well. (laughs) Currently a marathon right now. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then like when all of that's over now, it's almost like you sit down and you go like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Figuring it out and still having that like deeply rooted athlete mindset. And I feel like I spent so long trying to fight it and trying to get out of the athlete mindset instead of working with it and just using it to my advantage, because I think we never really get rid of it or, nor do I think we ever stop being an athlete. I think we just shift we just kind of shift directions and use it in different ways. But I think, you know, we'll never not be athletes regardless of what level you played at. So just kind of getting to know a little bit more about you and your story after you graduated, you stopped playing your sport. What did, what did you do? Did you, um, you know, go to more like traditional working out? Did you work out? Laura said she threw all structure to the wind. Did you feel like that? Like, what was your experience like after that? Yep. So I, I still tried to play, but more at like a recreational level, um, sometimes like co-ed here and there. But again, I always knew that there was that nagging, like if I get hit in the head again, I'm kind of screwed. So taking that with a grain of salt, but because it was still something that I love doing, I did it here and there because I understood the risk. (laughs) But aside from that, I, I ended up essentially teaching myself weightlifting and being in the gym and doing strength training and understand where kind of all that exercise science starts from. And that's what kind of sparked my interest in getting my CPT or my certified personal training, um, certificate through NASM. So it was essentially, I just wanted to educate myself more on that so I could do it for myself and, you know, the surrounding people around me. But then I was like, wait, no, 
this works perfectly. I can put all these things together <laughs> and start doing it with more people. But yeah, so I started strength training and um, just kind of exploring all different avenues because I needed to find something that I actually enjoyed doing and not something that I had to do. And that's something me and Laura talk about all the time, you know, doing yeah. things that you enjoy, eating things that you enjoy, not doing and eating things that you have to, because that's such an important aspect of the entire, of the whole journey. Yeah, it absolutely is. And even, even just exercise in general with sports, like we get so conditioned on not listening to our body and like that mind to muscle cue and understanding like, Hey, my body is not really feeling great today, but we still go and we still practice and we still go and we still play games. Right. Cause that's what we have to do. Cause it's our sport. That's our responsibility. But now that that's not the priority, it, it takes a while to be like, okay, I'm listening now. Like, this is what we're going to do. This is what I enjoy doing. This is, you know, I need to take rest days because my body's asking for it, but it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> and that's even being someone in the profession. Yeah. To unlearn all the behaviors and all the, you know, like ignoring, having, needing to ignore those cues for so long. Is that something that you work a lot with your athletes on? I mean, your clients, my former athletes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it a hundred percent is. So my basis is very non-diet approach, more mindful eating, more along the lines of like intuitive eating principles. So very focused on listening to our bodies and those cues, whether it be food related or exercise related. Um, we talk a lot about like self-care and mindfulness and healing our relationship with food and our bodies. All, literally all of the things no one ever taught us anything about as an athlete. And I think that that's, it's so important to have that because like we were talking about earlier, it's such a rare niche. Like there's not a lot of, like, I know I like uh, working with athletes. So I think that, you know, and there's a lot of uh, sports dietitians out there too, but there's really not many dietitians that work on post-athletic life. Yeah. So I think that's, it's really important and, you know, unique that you, that this is what you offer. Yeah. And it's, I agree. It's something that sometimes people get a little bit confused on because they're like, well, I was an athlete, but that was like 20 years ago. And, you know, now I just go to the gym and like, like, yes, going back to saying like, we're always still that in that athlete mindset, but it doesn't matter. I've had clients out of school, like almost fresh. And I've also had clients that are like in their mid to late fifties that are still struggling with the same things because they, they didn't reach out for help or they didn't understand that there was help available somewhere, or even that there's people struggling with the same thing they were. And that it goes Definitely. to show the impact that it can have for years, for years, like 50, you know, you're saying you're working with 50 year olds, like that's years and years that this, you know, misinformation and diet culture and everything that they learned during that point has had on them. Yep. Yeah. It almost like a, a really poor domino effect sometimes because they gain that weight after school's over and they don't understand that there's, they have to find something movement wise that they enjoy again. So, you know, tack on all the diet culture and all of the diet mindset and they're, you know, they're 40 and now they're diagnosed with type two diabetes. And, you know, now that starts to just stem out of control and that just opens the door for, I mean, you guys know, like everything else, as far as metabolic disease goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, it kind of goes back to part of your approach, which was like fuel for life. And like, it's very kind of clear and specific when, you know, as an athlete of like, I am fueling for, you know, X sport or, a, B, and C, you know, whatever it is, but then sort of like, like you said, you're still an athlete and you can still kind of use the positives that come with an athlete mindset, but like harness that in a different way of just like, how can I now literally fuel for life? And, um, you know, that's kind of something that is more of a long-term thing, whereas usually like athlete mode, um, is usually more of like a shorter term thing or kind of has phases. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of posed this like 
true or false question. Like I'm just interested in like our opinions on it. Like, do you think everyone has an inner athlete in them or are we, and like, are we always athletes? Um, So I think, I think the second part of that is a lot easier for me to answer because I've said it before too, that I think once you're an athlete, you kind of always have that athlete mindset. And I think that's just how our personalities develop in younger years. And I don't think there's any actually like getting rid of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But as far as everyone has an inner athlete, I think maybe everyone wants to, like everyone wants to be able to do, you know, quote unquote athletic things. But I feel like some of that can be related and that's more like psychological, but everything can maybe be related back to like everyone finding that like inner child, like that inner enjoyment of movement and yeah. like going out on the playground and doing like hopscotch or jump rope. Like, I feel like, you know, what kid is going to say no to doing hopscotch? Like, that's just fun and athletic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone has an inner athlete. It's kind of just like how much you choose to harness that, or if that sort of aligns with your goals in life or your values. Um, and that, yeah, like kind of once an athlete, always an athlete, but like it can change. And like, I think the term athlete is kind of this big umbrella term, um, that we kind of think of athlete as like, elite athlete or like you're playing college sports or like really intense but I think it goes way beyond that and like probably part of what you help your clients with is like knowing that you can still kind of again harness the positives that come with being an athlete but um just kind of approach that in in a less sort of intense way and one that kind of supports long-term sustainability a lot better yeah, a hundred percent because it's not, and it's something you're right. I have to tell people clients all the time. Like, it's not that you're not an athlete anymore and that you're not allowed to do those things anymore. I think that way anymore. It's just that we're shifting the perspective of how we can use those skills and that inner athlete mindset and how we can use it to, to reroute our, our motivation and our goals for things that are less athlete focused, like, you know, staying off medications for as long as possible or being able to go to the bathroom on your own when you're older, like things that we don't necessarily think about now, but things that a hundred percent are dependent on the choices that we make now, because they're not going to be able to be changed when we're 85, 90 years old. Yeah. So true. Gina, I know we talked about that in one of our episodes, um, about like, you know, you do squats so you can like you know, yeah, not to have like a juicy booty, but like, no, you want to be able to get up off the toilet when you're 80 years old, you know? Um, so I love that. And I mean, I ran into that with my whole ankle injury, like feeling like, oh my gosh, like if I didn't strength train, I, what would I be like? How would I be moving around right now? Or like showering? I got, I had a short term, I felt like an 80 year old for like a few weeks. So it was like, holy moly, this is like, you know, it it just hit home that much more. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think like Gina said, it's what a unique sort of population to focus on. And there's such a need out there. So you're doing amazing work in this space and, um, you know, already having success and will continue to have success. So it's, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at our, just our, our notes here. I'm, uh, um, is there anything we haven't gone through yet, um, that we wanted to talk about? I mean, I could literally talk about this for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's definitely a multi, multifaceted issue. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think talking about it, um, is really cool. And I think, I know we've, we've talked about having, um, more guests on in the future. And I think it would be cool to have, um, like, I know some former athletes, um, who have gone through this transition, um, sort of as a, as a non dietitian going through that transition and, and can speak to that, you know, as well. But 
you know, there's, there's, like I said, just such a need for it. So it is a really cool um, area of nutrition to, um, to focus on. So um, yeah, for anyone listening, uh, make sure to give Colby a follow on Instagram at former.femaleathlete.nutrition for more information on this topic. Um, She's super active on Instagram. So be sure to check her out. Um, And if you relate to this episode, make sure to let us know, leave a comment, share um, on Instagram, spread the word and let us know what you think. Um, any last thoughts, ladies? Um, it was super fun to, it feels good to be back. Gina, I know we had a little hiatus and Colby, thank you so much for being on. I know this was a fun episode. Like we're sitting, it's different. This was, this was a really fun episode. I know I learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because like we yeah, were saying think- earlier, we kind of all went through our athletic stages at different times in our life. You know, like Laura, you were saying you're high school, Colby, you were at college, I'm post-college. It's just kind of cool to see that, you know, everyone's path is different and, but it's definitely, um, you know, this field that you're in though, it can apply to so many people. So it's great that you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something that's a little bit less traditional as far as nutrition goes that most people don't really think to seek out or even think that it's really an option. So just, you know, if, even if I wasn't doing the business, like just spreading awareness that it, that it is a a struggle that people go through and that it does exist and that we need to just talk more about it, honestly. Definitely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it was cool having kind of like a full circle moment with Laura. So Yes. Having that conversation way back when now, probably almost like two years ago at this point. And it's just, it's I don't even remember what I told you. (laughs) You were like, no, don't do it at all. Wait, what? I don't think so. (laughs) No, no. But you, yeah, you were definitely part of that, like fuel on my fire to be like, okay, other people are doing this. Like I need to get my butt going. Yeah. I love it. Now we're here. (laughs) I know it's awesome. Um, well, thanks Colby so much for being on and be sure to, yeah. Um, follow Colby and stay tuned for more episodes to come in the future. And if there's any questions, feel free to hop on in our inboxes. And if it's something that's covered, we'd be happy to, you know, do another episode with, with Colby. If, um, you know, we want to get more into a certain, area. So let us know. All right. Until the next time we promise we're not going to go this long again. Yes. (laughs) All right. Woo.